know why you are a Christian? Dr. Ray Boland shows why so many don't even have a clue. Now on Probe. Over the last 10 years, I've used a very effective technique to help teens realize their unpreparedness for the step toward college. It seems our young people are heading into public and even Christian colleges thinking they are ready for the challenge to their faith that higher learning can be. Probe Ministries has sponsored a college prep conference since 1991 that was designed to assist young people gain some insights and even some knowledge on how to address the intellectual challenge that college will provide. If you remember the thousands of college radicals who protested and picketed in the 60s and 70s, they found their push for change was not very effective. Instead, many of them stayed in college, obtained master's degrees and PhDs, and, well, after all, it was easier than getting a real job. So as a result, they are now your children's professors. The college campus was an anti-Christian breeding ground several decades ago, and now it's even worse. Christianity is not so much openly mocked as it is marginalized and deemed a false and even mischievous mythology. If you haven't already heard some of these statistics, you need to hold on to your hat. In 2007, LifeWay surveyed 23- to 30-year-olds and found that 70% had taken at least a one-year break from church during their college years. Now, almost two-thirds of these returned to some level of church attendance, but mainly to please family or friends who encouraged them to return. That means that most of our churched youth are making many of their life decisions about marriage and career apart from a church context. Even many who return carry numerous scars from bad choices during those years. With this statistical background, it's plain our young people need some preparation before going on to college or the military. But as most parents of teens know, just telling them they need this is less than likely to be convincing. So enter the professor. For over 10 years, I have been impersonating a college professor doing research on the religious beliefs of young people. Sometimes the students know I'm playing a role with them, but occasionally I play the professor and the students are none the wiser. The rest of this week, I will be letting you see behind the closed doors of Christian high schools and senior high youth groups to see how our students respond. You don't want to miss this. So can you answer that question? Do you know why you're a Christian? This has been Probe with your host, Dr. Ray Bolin. Get your free copy of Ray's transcript, The Professor, at probe.org. Again, that's probe.org. Then join us next time as we help you to think and live biblically here on Probe. Yesterday, I introduced you to the role I have played in Christian high schools and youth groups around the country to help our teens realize they need more help before heading off to college than they realize. I have impersonated an atheist college professor conducting research on the religious beliefs of young people. Sometimes they know I'm playing a role and sometimes they don't. I introduced myself as Professor Jaime Schwartz, a name borrowed from my late colleague Jerry Solomon, who played this role far better than I do. Since I'm conducting research on the religious beliefs of young people, your youth pastor or counselor, principal teacher, whatever, has allowed me to visit with you today. Now, I'm playing the professor here, and I say, I understand that since this is a church or Christian school, I presume you are all Christians. Is anyone here not a Christian? Of course, no one raises their hand, but I'm always aware that some may indeed not be a believer and may not appreciate my questioning, so I'm careful. At this point, I simply call on someone, usually someone who isn't really paying attention or is engrossed in conversation with a neighbor. 
you are a Christian, I belt out. No one's ever answered no. Upon receiving an affirmative answer with hands casually in pockets, I demand why. Students are paying attention now. This is for real. Now consider my question for yourself. If Peter warns us to always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks to give a defense for the hope that we have, this is a pretty basic question. In our highly secular culture, if someone finds out you're a Christian, they may indeed ask you why. Peter says you ought to have an answer. But the simple question why is usually something our young people and even their parents have never really considered. Their Christian faith is certainly something they would claim is central to their life, but the dumbfounded looks on their faces tells me repeatedly that this question is a new one. It's usually about this time that any parents sitting in the back are suddenly quite relieved I'm not talking to them. The rest of the week I'll be reliving some of the standard responses I have received and the fun I have at their expense. I can get them pretty riled up and confused. But the point is not to have fun, but to help them see that they need to be prepared and think a little about why Christianity is important to them and why they think it's true. Don't miss tomorrow. This week, I'm rehearsing for you a role I have played with youth groups around the country as a hostile university professor who's doing research on the religious beliefs of young people. After being introduced, I pick someone out of the group, and after confirming they are a Christian, I simply ask them why. As I mentioned yesterday, this question usually comes as a surprise and even shock. Rather than directly answering the question, they try to tell me how they became a Christian. It usually takes the form of confidently saying they asked Jesus into their heart. The professor quickly fires back, You asked Jesus into your heart? That sounds pretty gross, really. What's he doing in there with all that blood? Yuck. That always gets a surprised reaction and a little befuddlement. The student typically tries to recover by saying something like, well, no, I mean, it's like I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Again, the professor will fire back quickly with a question like, why did you do that? Or, Savior, what do you need saving from? I think you can see where this is going. It really is not difficult to pick something from what he or she said and challenge it. I either pretend I don't understand what they said, forcing them to better explain themselves, which is rare. Or I deliberately ask them why they think that way or how do you know that? In answer to how do you know that, I am often told, well, like it's the Bible. It's in the Bible. They usually can't tell me where the Bible says that. I also ask if the Bible is true, to which they say it is. But when I ask, how do you know it's true? The blank stare reemerges. Sometimes a student will say, well, well, because it's the word of God. Now, I can really dig a little deeper. In response to further questioning, they usually can't tell me where the Bible says it's the Word of God, nor can they tell me why the Bible is different from the Book of Mormon or the Quran. If there is a youth pastor or chaplain present, there is usually an embarrassed look on their face or a head hung in hands. By this time, the class is very tense and full of nervous laughter. When I reach a dead end with a student, for instance, when they say, well, I don't know, with a very resigned, defeated voice, I look for one of the laughing, conversing students and ask, what about you? Of course, that gets everybody's attention again, and off we go. While I admit I have a little fun playing this role, it never ceases to break my heart at how ill-prepared our young people are to follow Peter's advice to always be prepared with an answer. I have yet to find a student in 10 years who's willing and able to go toe-to-toe with a professor. I'll share some more of my experiences tomorrow. Don't miss it. 
If you've been listening this week, you know I have been recounting my experiences playing the role of a hostile atheist college professor asking church and Christian school teens why they are Christians. So far, I have recounted the often fumbling answers of our youth and their lack of basic knowledge concerning what makes Christianity unique and why it's true. Today, I'll focus on three other directions our conversations have frequently taken. First, I'll discuss briefly students who offer their personal experiences for how they know Christianity is true. Second, I'll discuss those who are very unclear on the differences between world religions. And third, I'll reveal a deliberate trap I almost always find a way to spring. When I have challenged students to tell me why they think or believe Christianity is true, some will turn to their own subjective experience. Technically, there's nothing wrong with this, specifically when speaking to a Christian audience. But someone who doesn't even believe in God will frequently find ways to truly make fun of this element. A student may describe that Jesus speaks to them in their prayer time, to which I quickly ask what his voice sounds like or how do you know it was Jesus and not just indigestion. The blank stares usually resume at this point. We've become so comfortable in our Christian bubble sometimes that we frequently don't see how unintelligible our language is to those outside the community of faith. It's tough to share the gospel that way. Sometimes a student will interject that they believe in Jesus because that's what their families taught them or it's what they learned in church. I usually pounce on that pretty quickly by summarizing that the student believes Christianity is true because their parents told them so. The student usually agrees. After commending them for honoring their parents, I tell them that's really pretty stupid. Pausing a second for the shock to register, I go on about the boy raised in India whose parents are Hindu and he respects his parents and believes Hinduism is true. So the boy in India and this student are both headed to heaven because they trusted their parents. One time a student stammered around and eventually agreed and said, well, I guess so. Whereas youth pastor put his head in his hands. Finally, in talking about salvation, I ask what happens to those who don't believe in Jesus. Most will hesitatingly say they go to hell. The professor predictably rants that just because I don't believe the same fairy tale as you, I'm going to hell? When they predictably shake their head yes, I bend down eye to eye and spit out, you're a narrow-minded, self-righteous bigot. Tomorrow, I'll tell you how I would answer the question, why are you a Christian? If you've been listening this week, you know I have been recounting my experiences playing the role of a hostile atheist college professor asking church and Christian school teens why they're Christians. So far, I've recounted the often fumbling answers of our youth and their lack of basic knowledge concerning what makes Christianity unique and why it's true. Students enjoy the interactive nature of this routine, even though they are routinely embarrassed by their inability to handle the challenge. When Peter admonished all of us to always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks us to give a reason for the hope that we have, yet with gentleness and respect, they fail miserably. Perhaps as a parent, you may be glad that I don't do this with adult groups. Often students will try to turn the conversation in their favor by asking the professor a question. I quickly dismiss that idea by simply answering, I'm asking the questions. But when we're done, if time allows, I attempt to leave them with hope by quickly summarizing how I, Dr. Ray Boland, would answer the same question. Here's the outline of my response. In a calm voice, I quickly assert that I know there's a God. As a scientist, I look principally at how marvelously our universe, galaxy, solar system, and planet are designed for complex life here on Earth. The number of highly improbable coincidences rules out chance and strongly implies design. This is reinforced by the evidence from biology of the 
the incredible complexity of life, particularly the coded information in DNA. This remarkable molecule in the accompanying system of transcription and translation screams for intelligence. The fact that all people have some sense of right and wrong, even though we may disagree sometimes, tells us we are comparing our morality to some invisible standard outside ourselves that must come from a supreme lawgiver. I'm convinced there is a supernatural God. If this God exists, then has he spoken to man? I quickly retell the uniqueness of Scripture, written by 40 authors from eight countries over 1,500 years in three languages, all with a consistent and unique message of a God of love who ransomed us from our sins. Where we have archaeological evidence, it consistently confirms the accuracy of biblical events. I'm convinced the Bible is the true and unique Word of God. The Bible throughout is about Jesus, who repeatedly claimed to be the unique, divine Son of God and offered his death and resurrection on behalf of mankind as proof. That Jesus bodily rose from the dead is the only rational conclusion of the evidence of the empty tomb. On top of that, my experience of the last 37 years has shown me again and again the unique love and power of God. So what about you? Why are you a Christian?